Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Folks, it's another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Steven. What's up? How's things? How's life? How's the world treating you? How are you treating the world? Are you giving as much as you're getting? Are you treating people the way you want to be treated? That's the golden rule, you know. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Now, wouldn't it be great if you could reverse that? If the golden rule is treat others the way you want to be treated and somebody is treating you like a piece of crap, can you assume that the person is following the golden rule and they want to be treated like a piece of crap? They're treating you like a piece of crap and they're treating you the way they want to be treated. But of course, then if you treat them like a piece of crap, you're not treating them the way you want to be treated. It's a vicious freaking catch-22 thing. I don't like to use the term catch-22 because I've never read the book, never watched the movie, never even gone near it. So it's a Blink-182, I guess. That's a band. That's one of these bands that the youngsters listen to, even though they're not, uh, they're not a new band. Anyway, hey, 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 I want to talk about a comic today, folks. This is from Image Comics. It was published on November the 27th, 2019, so not that long ago. It's called Philadelphia, and this is issue number one. Story by Rodney Barnes, art by Jason Sean Alexander, colors by Lewis, NCT, and letters by Marshall Dillon. So this is a book I sort of picked up on a whim. I had, I remember seeing something online about this book a while back. I can't, I can't really make, I, I, I can't be sure when. I'm not a guy who deals in time frames. This could have been last week that I came across this article. It could have been six months ago. I don't remember because my brain doesn't quite work that way. But I do remember coming across the article because I feel like it talked about that um, someone like Jordan Peele, somebody like that, really enjoyed the book. I don't remember who. It was some big celebrity from what I recall. 
So the week that the issue came out, I'd forgotten all about it. The week that the issue came out, I was looking through the new releases over on the Comixology, and I felt like buying a new book that week, and nothing nothing was standing out. I mean, there was all kinds of new stuff, but it's all, you know, Marvel and DC books that are squat, squat in the middle. That's not right. Square in the middle. Smack dab. That's the That's what I'm looking for. Smack dab in the middle of a story arc or some of the smaller press books that are again schmack dab in the middle of a story arc but then i come across Philadelphia, and it practically reached out of the screen and slapped me across the face and grabbed me by my collar and shook me around a little bit and said hey pal this is what you're looking for and i thought to myself oh yeah this is that book that uh jordan peele or somebody liked i'm pretty sure it was jordan peele and so I bought it. I just bought that sucker. I read the I read the description and I thought, "Huh, sounds interesting." And so I bought it. Now this tells the tale of James Sangster Sr. and James Sangster Jr. Set in the city of Philadelphia, James Sr. is a celebrated police detective who is murdered. James Jr., who works for the police department in Baltimore, comes to town to bury his father, settle his affairs, all that stuff. He is actually seems to be quite, I don't want to, it's not giddy. He doesn't seem to be too upset that his father has passed away. Uh, not a good childhood, basically, is, is, is what they're insinuating in this book. But we get a little bit of backstory on the circumstances surrounding James Sr.'s death. He is investigating a missing persons case, or at least he's been investigating a series of missing persons cases. He tells his, his captain or his lieutenant at one point, they're not missing. They're all dead. He just knows they're dead. And there's one particular individual that he's looking for that can, I guess, answer some questions or might be the key to the whole thing. And so he gets a tip from one of his, you know, inside snitch type folks. We're assuming they don't say it, but he gets a call, says, hey, if you want answers, if you're looking for so-and-so, you need to go to Hell Hall. So Hell Hall is a place called Harvest Green Homes. It was low-income in- low housing in the 70s. Uh, but as the comic book states, uh, the, the, the crack epidemic of the late 80s, early 90s turned it into something a little different. So he goes there. He goes into a room. A lot of hands reach out to grab him. He curses, and then he ends up dead. So James Jr., after he buries his father, he, after the funeral, he goes to his father's place and he's, he, first thing he notices is his dad's journal laying on a table. And his father, he describes, was the ultimate closed book. And if he, he picks up the journal and he's, and he, he's saying to himself, if his father knew that he was about to read his journal, He'd be rolling over in his grave, and that's reason enough for him to do it. So it's kind of a uh, last little dig at his dad. I'm going to read your journal. And so he starts reading about the case that his dad was working on before his death and some of the odd things that were that were happening. It was, the, it was a series of, of murders in the city. He'd been working with the, the, the local medical examiner, and she finds that each of these, each of these folks that have died— had yellow fever, which is something that 
they had created a vaccine for back in 1953. But not only did they die of yellow fever, they, they also have a lot of bite marks on them. And there was no blood found on the scene. So she theorizes that the killer or killers all have yellow fever, but they have developed a resistance to it. So they have yellow fever. It's not, it's not doing anything to them. And they are kill, biting and killing people. And somehow there's, not, there, there's, there's no blood found on the scene. You know, she says, when, when you die, your heart stops pumping. And so there, there, there's no more blood to be gushing out. But for the body to be completely devoid of any stains or splashes in the scene, to not have any blood on the ground, he guesses, well, maybe, maybe they were um, killed somewhere else and cleaned up and then, and then brought, brought here. And she's like, eh, maybe. Sounds like a lot of work, though. And so as they're discussing this, it's middle of the night. We're nearing dawn, basically. And in the other room, in the, uh, the, the morgue area, the cold storage area where their bodies are kept, there just suddenly develops this ruckus, pounding on the walls, like pounding on the door, like a bunch of people wanting to get out. And there's, there, there's almost like screaming and clawing. And it's very horrific sounding. And of course, he draws his gun right away. And they're, they're looking at the door and they're not sure what they're going to do. And you see outside the window that the sun starts to rise. And suddenly all the noise within the, the, the cold storage room dies. And he says, I'm going in. Says, you can't do that. That's crazy. You heard what was just happening in there? He opens the door and uh, it, looks, it looks normal. All the bodies are on their slabs, all that stuff. So he starts to do some research on yellow fever. There was, uh, she talks about how, I don't remember when. She said that uh, she, she had done some research and I think she mentioned something about how, so there, there was, Philadelphia has a, a history with yellow fever back in the 1700s, I'm thinking. She said like 5,000 people died from yellow fever and then like 17,000 people fled the city. And so he starts doing some research and he finds this case from the 1950s involving a group that they refer to as the Sons of the Republic. And they were called that because they kind of followed the, 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 the teachings or the ideology of former President John Adams. And there was this, there was this case about how they, something about going up against, uh, a fight against racists and whatnot and some and the case was never solved and gosh now it's it's driving me crazy because i just read this there's i can't remember how he ties this into what was going on now at at the time during you know the the murders that he's investigating i can't remember how all this ties in but he also then starts doing research on john adams and finds out that at one point John Adams spent some time in the Caribbean where he contracted yellow fever. So he goes to Massachusetts to visit the grave of John Adams, and he's actually entombed. And, and uh, the vault where he was kept had been damaged, and a, the caretaker there talks, it, it talks to him about it a bit and, and re- refers to it as uh, some vandalism that happened a while back. And anyway... John Adams ties into this somehow. They don't get too deep into it in this in this issue. But finally in the journal, James Sr. puts on paper what he 
as crazy as it sounds, what he thinks it's go- is going on. And based on all the evidence that, that has been presented to him so far and what he's witnessed and whatnot, he can only come to the conclusion that there are vampires in Philadelphia. And f- somehow it ties back to the Sons of the Republic and John Adams. So James Jr. reading this in the journal, just he's like, the old man's nuts. The old man had gone crazy. But then he starts to think to himself, you know what? You know what would really, it's, it's one thing for me to read this journal, which, which his dad would hate. You know, it's like my father would, would uh, roll over in his grave if he knew I was reading this journal. And that's one last dig toward my dad. But really what would be the, the biggest last dig toward my dad would be if I solved this case he died trying to solve. And so he goes to speak to the medical examiner and he tells her that he was, you know, I've been reading dad's journal about the last case that you y'all were working on. And it, and it sounds kind of crazy. She says, be that as it may. And she takes him to the, to that, to the morgue, the cold storage room. And she opens up the door. She says around midnight, they, they would begin to stir. And then a few hours later, they would be screaming and rioting and pounding and clawing. And she shows him the inside of the door, which is dented and clawed. And he's still not quite convinced. And she, ba- she tells him, well, you know, he was found, his body was found outside Hell Hall. So if you really are wanting to investigate this, that's where you're going to start. And so he goes to Hell Hall, he goes inside, and he opens up a door and in this in this dark room, there are people hanging from the ceiling by their feet, like a dozen or more, like vampires. And they all open their eyes, and their eyes are glowing. And he, of course, runs like the freaking wind. And, you know, that's the point he realizes, holy crap, my dad was right. And so he goes to visit his dad's grave, and he starts digging up his dad's grave and he's telling this story this is it's really good this 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 ending part is is really well and i'm going to spoil it for you and it's not a huge spoiler actually i'm not i'm not going to spoil i'm not going to spoil the ending of the issue for you but the 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 ending of it i was really enjoying the book and then i get to the ending and i'm it just hooks me right at the end just this hook just reached out and just freaking speared my my freaking heart and said, you will read the next issue. And I said, I will read the next issue. It's like the freaking Jedi mind trick, man. And so the art in this book, it looks, it looks, uh, it looks like it's a fully painted book, but I don't know that it is. I think it's just the style of, of the art combined with the coloring makes it look fully painted, but I don't know that it is. It may, it may very well not be. The fact that they have the credits listed uh, for the artist and the colorist, typically if it's a fully painted book, they would say, you know, even if somebody had gone in and done the line work and then somebody came in and painted over it, they would refer to that as, you know, the they they would have mentioned if it was painted, I would think. So I don't know if this is, I I feel like it's digitally colored to look somewhat like it's painted, and yet it does and it doesn't. I really enjoy it. Let me just say that. That's what I'm really trying to say. It really fit the tone of the book. And the book, it was just really good. The storytelling was just excellent. It hooked me practically from the beginning. And it did a really good job of giving you just a little bit up, up front to make you want to keep going. Because the, 
his father dies, they show his father's death within the first couple of pages. And you don't quite know at that point. If you've read the blurb, I mean, I'm not spoiling anything by telling you that there's vampires. It tells you right there. If you look at the description or the solicitation or whatever you want to call it for that first issue, it tells you that there, it's, it involves vampires. So that's not, a, that's not a spoiler. So you know going into it, unless you didn't read that, that, that vampires are involved. So when you see him die, you assume it's going to be vampires. But had you not read the description, you may, you're not going to know that just reading the story. So if you're just reading the story at this point, he is investigating um, some missing persons and he goes into this building and he goes into this room and a bunch of hands, he, he, he just freaks out as a bunch of hands reach out and grab him and then he's dead. But they do a really good job of, so they, they show his father dying right near the beginning. They don't really explain to you what the circumstances are. Then they do a really good, then I really like the idea, the, the device of him reading his father's journal, which kind of catches you up, which kind of takes you back through those moments and what led up to that death. And then the reveal that there are vampires in Philadelphia, which again, if you read the solicitation or you read the the description of the book, it, that's not a. It's you knew going in. You may not expect what happened at the end. That's why I'm. That's why I've decided not to spoil it. You may not e- expect that, but the book I thought was really well written. There's a there's a, a moment in the book where they they have a few pages involving a guy running for mayor, and it doesn't tie into anything else in the issue, but it's there. It's like one and a half to two pages. So this guy is tied into it somehow, but we don't know just how yet because it has, it's just one scene. Neither James Jr. or James Sr. are in the scene from what I could tell. They don't make reference to this guy at all in the rest of the book. But obviously if he's there, then it has something to do with the, with, with the story. I'm super interested. I'll just put it that way. I am super interested to see where this goes. And here's the thing. I'm not a vampire guy. I'll be honest with you. When I first read the article, I was mildly intrigued because the article mentioned vampires as well because, of course, it gives you the solicitation to the, to the book. And as soon as I hit the word vampires, I'm like, eh, I'm not a vampire guy. I think, but I think stuff like uh, the whole interview with the vampire, the whole gothic vampire thing, I just I don't like that at all. I don't like the, uh, oh, I'm a vampire who's been around for hundreds of years and I'm just so lonely and bored and bathe in blood and oh and i'm so gothic and sad and blah, blah, blah. i just i just really it just i just do not like it at all it just it does not appeal to me in any way which is why i think i really enjoyed cassidy from the preacher series the the comic not the i haven't watched much of the show i'm talking about the comic here because they did a, a specific issue or two that addresses the whole gothic vampire thing, which is something that he is totally not. And it was, it kind of brought me around to, uh, yeah, I could enjoy vampires, I guess, if they're done in a certain way. Well, we don't know what kind of vampires there these are in this book because we don't really, we encounter them three times maybe in the book. But at this point, they might as well be zombies because it's not a, uh, it's not an individual vampire there's not characters. There's not. It's just a, a a device at this point. It's just a a a group that is a threat. 
We don't know anything about the group other than the fact that they're vampires. We don't know any of the individuals. We don't know what kind of, you know, if these are just mindless bloodsuckers that hibernate during the day. And when the sun goes down, they're just kill crazy, rampaging, thoughtless monsters that will not stop. I they they don't explain. Well, actually, that's not true because there is one part where this this the kid that he's looking for, the guy that he's looking for, chases him through the streets a bit. That's kind of a little short scene, uh, but he doesn't talk to him at all. So. There's a lot of unanswered questions at this point, which is also something that I'm I'm enjoying about this book. There's a lot more to know. And that first issue did a really good job of, I think, giving me enough information to get me interested and to hook me and uh, want me coming back. And I'm definitely going to come back when the next issue comes out. And this, so this is basically what I'm trying to say, folks, is this was a really good issue and I recommend it to anybody out there, whether you're a vampire fan or not, because I most definitely am not a vampire fan, but I enjoyed this issue. The art was excellent. The story was excellent. Everything about it, I really enjoyed. I've actually, I'll be honest with you. I've read it twice now. I've read it twice. So that should say something. Philadelphia issue number one, Image Comics, if you can't find it on the shelf at your local comic book store, it's available on Comixology. So that's my episode, folks. That's my episode. My name is Steven. Your your name is something else. You may be named Steven. I don't I don't know. Regardless, regardless of what your name is and what my name is, it doesn't matter. What really matters is that this guy right here, this guy, I'm just another fanboy. This has been my podcast. Be nice to each other, folks. I'm out. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Stephen or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash stephenrorr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 